and welcome to another lecture presented by the Syracuse class. This is a school and not a church and neither are we affiliated with any religious organizations. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational religious and scientific research organization that's dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh or LM and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California. Established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Okay. Let's see. So um, where was I? We were incorporated in the state of California in 1958. Since that time, we have established branch schools throughout the United States, Canada, and other parts of the world. The Syracuse branch was established in 1969. At this time, I would like to acknowledge the dean of the Syracuse branch, Dr. Patrick Trevison. Now, in this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of your heavenly father is Yahweh. This has been improperly substituted in most Bibles with the title Lord. For the word or son, we use the divine title Elohim. This has been erroneously substituted with the title God. And the name of the spirit manifesting in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. This has been erroneously substituted with Jesus Christ. Now, Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. And we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title, which means Elohim is the title that our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it's an erroneous name, a minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language contain any character or letter in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by the letter J. Neither was there a J in the English language until some 1400 years after the death of the Messiah. Therefore, making such names as Jesus and Jehovah impossible in untrue renderings of the true name of the Father and his Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Now, Yahweh, our Heavenly Father, is pure spirit. And in his pure spirit state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. And if you take a look at this chart, you'll see that we have the cloud painted all the way around the edges of the chart so that everything on the chart abides within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within this pure spirit state of Yahweh. And Yahweh, knowing that man cannot perceive of him in this pure spirit state, takes on shape and takes on form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son a super incorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. 
this uh, visionary shape and form can only be seen by divine vision and only understood by divine revelation. And later on, the self-same spirit manifested in the physical body walked the earth plane as Yahshua Messiah, whom the world has come to know erroneously as Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we should ask ourselves is what was the name of the Messiah during the time that he did walk the earth plane? You can get a better understanding of this name and title by reading a preface to a Holy Name Bible. Now, also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. We call it a divine pattern because this is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt and into the wilderness of Sinai, he then called Moses on top of Mount Sinai and revealed this tabernacle pattern to him in a vision. Moses was instructed to return to the wilderness of Sinai and build one exactly as he had seen in the mount. This tabernacle pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court round about. These three compartments making up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof how that everything is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. Now, in this school, we have 10 primary constitutional aims or objectives, and they are as follows. First is to help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua Messiah without, this, without the distinction of race or nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, modern, practical, and occult science. Fifth is to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons, operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth is to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained there's no other name given among men, whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua Messiah. Intent is to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the newer state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. I'd like to have this evening's meeting dedicated with a prayer by Dr. Tony Pagano uh, from our Gates class. We have a scripture, Isaiah 55th chapter. That will be read by Dr. Jerry Geller from our Oceanside class. And the scripture readers for this evening are from Syracuse, New York, Dr. Deb Kometi, and from Gates class, Dr. Reba Zahar. Uh, can, everyone hear me? can everyone hear me? Yep, you're good. Yep. 
Um, let us all bow our hearts and minds and thank Yashua for allowing us to be here today um, because it truly is by divine invitation. Um, and we are all just so happy and glad to be able to participate um, no matter which way that is, whether in person or on Zoom. And I am so happy and glad and thankful to be here. Um, with that, let us all say hallelujah. 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 Good evening, class. Tonight I'll be reading Isaiah, the 55th chapter from the Holy Name Bible, containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testaments, critically compared with ancient authorities and various manuscripts, revised by A.B. Trena of the Scripture Research Association in College Park, Maryland. Isaiah 55. Ho, everyone that thirsteth. Come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and a commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knewest not, and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee. Because Yahweh thy Elohim, and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Seek ye Yahweh while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto Yahweh, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our Elohim, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith Yahweh. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that it goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to Yahweh for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Isaiah 55. Thank you very much, Dr. Geller, and thank you very much, Dr. Pagano. And for our first speaker from Green Bay, Wisconsin, it would be a pleasure to call on Dr. Terry Melberg. 
Okay, can you folks hear me? Yeah, I can. Uh, I had a little problem with the mute button there. No problem. I gotcha. Oh boy, uh, I'm not much of a speaker, but you know, um, I come from a, a Lutheran background with a lot of Roman Catholicism uh, ex uh, exposure due to family and friends. And um, we, uh, our family is very strict about going to church every Sunday. Um, you should do this and you should do, do that syndrome. Uh, for me, it was, geez, do I really got to be here? And as time went on and you get exposed to the world as an adult after getting out of high school and you start seeing things that you're wondering, this just doesn't seem right. Like there's something missing. And it came to a point where I reached what I guess you would call a crossroads where you stop, put the brakes on and you think for a while, what is this really all about? And it wasn't long after, about 30 some years ago, I was finally brought down to this school and I couldn't believe what I was hearing. My first class was held at a, um, what we call the wildlife sanctuary in Green Bay. And Dennis Volpe was the Dean at the time. And I remember walking in the doors for the first time. And the first thing that was so overwhelming for me was the charts. It reminded me of the psychedelic sixties with all those fascinating colors. I was so blinded by the colors, but I wasn't seeing what this charge was trying to show me or tell me. 30 some years later, as time goes on, you begin to realize that life is not really what you were programmed from a child up to be. And I remember many times for the last 30 some years where I went through these, um, how do I say, identity crisis, wondering who I am, why am I here? And as time came, kept going by and going by, I began to realize I am not who I thought I was, but something far greater, not that I'm anything special. I realized that we are not special, we're chosen. We might be special to him, Yahweh. And after hearing the scripture tonight, uh, could we get uh, Isaiah 55 and 8, please? You broke up. I couldn't hear anything. Isaiah 55 and 8. Yes, please. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith Yahweh. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For a lot of years, that has been on my mind, and even to this day it is. And when I look back at my life from as a kid up to this point in time, I realize that the reason why life was the way it is prior to coming into this school I didn't have a right thought in my life. Now, Dr. Kinley, I've read in, I think, some of the transcripts, he had mentioned, 
you haven't had a right thought in your life and you are your own worst enemy. And I'm thinking to myself, what is that old man talking about? That doesn't make any sense. But after a while, it began to hit me. It's our way of thinking, our nature that puts us in that position. Mm-hmm. And as time goes on, you start to realize that you certainly are your own worst enemy and you certainly haven't had a right thought in your life. And now you're taking on a nature and or a way of thinking that you do not look at the world the same. It's very different. As Dr. Kinley was a Bible, what do you call it? Uh, He could read this, recite the scripture above and below. But after he had the divine vision and revelation, it came down to the point where he realized the Bible did not, it, it spoke something very different to him. Well, as time went on, and I started seeing more and more of the truth, I realized that's what's happening to me. I'm not the same person I used to be. I don't enjoy the things I used to enjoy. I don't think the same way. And I am so glad. And I'll tell you what, these last several lectures that we've had at Oceanside, Green Bay, and I wonder if several in Syracuse with regards to um, that you're, you were chosen. You have nothing to do with this. It is not left in your hands. And that's a good thing. And so many times the speakers have said, if it was left in your hands, you would screw it up. I cannot tell you how much that makes me feel uh, relieved and relaxed. Being brought up in Christianity, all I ever could feel was guilt. It was my fault. I had to take control. I didn't know how to take control. I had to have Jesus into my heart. I didn't know where to find him to begin with, to put him in my heart. And as time went on, I realized this was not for me. And after being in this school for as many years as I have now, I cannot tell you the gratitude that I feel being here with all of you and learning from the creator of the universe. Really, you know, and I remember Dennis Volpe years ago girl saying from the, from the floor, we were talking about universities. And he said this, Harvard, Oxford, eat your heart out. This school is the university of universities. This is a school about life not death. This is a school about taking on a nature, a knowledge and an understanding that will only change you to the better. Right now, I just, I feel so humble and thankful and so glad to be here with you guys. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pass it back to the moderator. I wish I had more to say. I'm not much of a speaker, but, um, you know, I had to laugh at Carl last night. He was making a comment with regards to um, not knowing where the scriptures are. <laughs> and I'm the same way, but I know they're in there. Uh, I'm not a speaker. I can't bring the point across as well as some of the speakers can, but I do understand it. I know the meaning behind it, and I know what it's done for me, as I'm sure uh, every one of you can attest to. So with that, I want to say thank you so much for the opportunity and looking forward to joining uh, Syracuse and several other classes in the future as well. Praise be to Yashua. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you, Terry. It was enjoyable. And for next speaker, it's my pleasure to call from our Oceanside class, Dr. Dave Frankowski.
Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Good evening. I enjoyed the remarks of the first speaker, and I could uh, attest to that. Um, I do the moderation at Oceanside, and uh, it is very difficult to be a speaker, and uh, there's a lot of them out there that have that gift, and I can attest to that, but I'll, I'll try to give my uh, reasonable testimony, uh, as every one of us should be able to do. Um, and I believe we read this uh, scripture here Saturday in Oceanside, and I was thinking, you know, when I read the scripture, you never, or when they read the scripture, you never know if you're going to be called or not. So I was kind of read, reading along and thinking, what would I say if I was called? And I wasn't called, but here I am, and it's the same scripture. So let's start off uh, with Isaiah 55 and 1, please. Isaiah 55, 1, ho, everyone that thirst, come to the waters, and he that hath no money, come, buy and eat, yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Okay, uh, so they're telling, this scripture's telling you to come, and, and uh, if you thirst, and if you're looking for something to the waters, and even though you don't have any money, or uh, you know, just come because it's free. And that's kind of like what we're doing down here. Uh, this isn't like uh, the Catholic Church or Lutheran or any of the other churches that we're all from. You know, they want you to uh, give a certain tithing to them. They want you to do works and to get your righteousness. And, and that's really not how it is. That's how it was in the old covenant. But that's not how it is uh, in this covenant, uh, you're, you're invited to this covenant. As the first speaker said, you're, you've been brought down here, whether you uh, agree or understand it or not, you, it isn't by chance that you're here. You're, and I learned that as well. And coming from Catholic faith, you know, you were felt, you felt guilty. You had to go to confession to confess your sins. You had to do works and, all the stuff. And, uh, you know, in this covenant, that's not the case. Uh, you can come here to our Zoom meeting or one of the classes if they're available, and you can get what you need for free. You don't have to pay. Uh, you don't have to feel guilty or do things uh, to get what you're being given because it's a gift. Uh, so drop down to three, if you would. Incline your ear and come unto me, hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. So in, incline your ear, and everybody, we've had several lectures about that in the past weeks and months. Incline your ear. It's just because you sit here and you listen to that scripture. I've, I've heard scriptures out of the Bible all my life and didn't really understand what they meant. Incline your ear doesn't necessarily mean, um, you know, what you're hearing, those things on the side of your head. It's your, your, your creator is in you and he wants you to come unto you and hear his voice. And so your soul shall live. And that's what we're all after here. Uh, you know, as it says in the, in, I think it's John 17 and three or something, 17 and three 
to know all you need to do is know your creator is that john 17 and 3 yep john, seven, john 17 and 3 and this is life eternal that they might know thee the only true elohim and yahshua the messiah whom thou hast sent so that's that's really the in in a nutshell right there you they know your creator you don't have to do works you don't have to uh, follow the commandments although not saying you shouldn't follow the commandments be good true neighbor don't covet and all that stuff but that's not what uh that verse means it's you need to serve you need to know your creator and that's what's going to give you eternal life because he's going to be in you and you that's how you know him he's in you and you're going to get to know him on a personal level very personal you can't get much personal than more personal than that and i will make an everlasting covenant with you and so that's the other another big uh difference about what we do down here as opposed to the religions is we're under a new covenant we're not under uh, the old covenant which was given to the jews and the jews only and a lot of people um in religion drag those covenants if you can pull up that blow up that uh, covenants chart there greg thank you and you know in religion um you're doing you're still doing the circumcision ceremonies baptism suppers that they did back in the old days and, and back in with the jews and you could see there it says uh physical natural earthly temporary it's not an everlasting covenant like it says here in the scripture so these these ordinances were given to the jews and the jews only and if you look right next to it it says nailed to the cross and it has a couple keys there and a, and a finger pointing at yahshua on the cross and those keys are representative of the law and the prophets keys to knowing your creator because that's what tells of your creator the law and the prophets and pointing at yahshua on the cross all that's and it says nailed to the cross so all those uh things that ordinances laws everything that was given in the old covenant has was nailed to the cross taken out of the way and brought in a new covenant which is on the right hand side there of the cross in the in the heart and it's a it's a spiritual covenant it's in you it's not upon you and I know there's a scripture, and I'm sorry, I know there's a lot of good scripture people here, but where's the one where it's, uh, this is, the old covenant was upon them and against them, they couldn't do it, and the new covenant is in them, or I think it says something like that. Hmm. What do you want, Jeremiah? Romans uh, 8 and 6. Romans 8 6. Romans 8 and 6. Let me get there. Is that it, Dave? Oh, uh, Romans eight and six. Uh, no, that's not it, but um, it says something about 
the the laws that were given were against us and were upon us, not in us. Uh, that's okay. Don't you don't have to worry about Hebrews nine and nine. Hebrews nine nine. Try that one. Hebrews nine and nine, which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. That that's a good one right there. Yes. So the the old covenant is what this uh, verse is referring to, and it's which was a figure for the time then present. So in other words, back in the time, that's what we used to do. We used to sacrifice. We had the uh, the tabernacle in the wilderness where the children of Israel had their sins forgiven, and it was all physical, and it was for that time, and it was also a figure. It wasn't as the chart says, it wasn't uh, the spiritual, it was natural, physical, earthly, temporary. And then in which were offered gifts and sacrifices, and it couldn't make a man perfect um, because he still had that sin, he would still go out and do that thing. And, and then every year you had to have the, the Day of Atonement uh, to forgive everyone's sin, you know, all of the sins of the people because you broke one law and it was death. So the new covenant is, is pertaining, it's in you. And that's why it talks about pertaining to the conscience. So it's, we're on a different covenant now. And that's a lot of people don't understand that. And that's exactly uh, that's a big problem and mm -hmm. that that's what religion is doing they're still you know dragging some of these ordinances and laws that were given to the jews and the jews only never given to any of us and they're dragging it over to this side uh and and it's not necessary and they're not going to tell you that because you know then you're not they're not going to have um you know, a bunch of people in the pews and people given to them. And, you know, that's another thing you, they want a tithing 10%. And I'm not saying it's not good to give to charities. That's a great thing. But, you know, Yahweh has everything. He gave us everything. He doesn't need anything from us. Right. So, you know, giving money, you're not giving money to Yahshua. You're giving money to a man and he's building more buildings or whatever he's doing with the money. So, you know, it was, it's not about that anymore. Uh, Colossians 2.14, thank you. Colossians 2.14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, which was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Yes, that was the one. Thank you, Dennis. Yes, yeah, so it was contrary to them. They couldn't, they couldn't keep those commandments, and, and Yahweh knew it. That's why he had to send in a, a Savior, because he knew he's the creator. He created uh, everything. He knew that, that the people couldn't keep all those laws. And so those laws were against them. They weren't 
something that they could it was real it wasn't realistic for them to be able to keep those laws and that's the the reason for the new covenant and there's another scripture that says you don't have to get it but if there wasn't there wasn't a need if the old covenant was was good and i'm paraphrasing here if the old covenant was good you would have no need for another covenant mm -hmm. so uh let's see go ahead and uh, go to the six, please, of the scripture. Seek ye Yahweh while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. So, and everyone's always looking, uh, you know, go find Jesus, go to a, a rally or go to Billy Graham's revival to find Jesus, go to a church to find Jesus. And, well, that's not his name to, to begin with, come to find out. And but really, you don't have to go anywhere because he's he, you don't have to search him. He's going to find you and he's going to be in you with his new covenant. And he wants you to, as that John 17 is, know your know Yahweh. That's your that's your salvation to know him. So mm -hmm. how do you know him if you know, how do you find him if you don't know him and how do you call on him? you know, if you don't know who you're calling on. So, um, and if you pray to Jesus or Mary or whatever, that's not going to do you any good. Um, you know, you have to call on the only one and you got to know how to do that. Uh, go ahead and continue, please. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto Yahweh and he will have mercy upon him. And to our Elohim, for he will abundantly pardon. So Yahweh, Yahshua is going to have mercy on us. It's, it's, it's a gift. It's not anything we can do. Uh, he is going to, he will have mercy upon you. And he will abundantly pardon you. Um, you have nothing to do with that. You're doing any of the the things on the left side of this chart here are not going to get you uh, what you're looking for. That was given to the Jews and the Jews only, and we are under a new covenant right now. Uh, go ahead, Nate, please. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith Yahweh. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And like the first speaker said, you know, when you're younger and you're, you think you know it all and your thoughts, you think everything you think is right. And mm -hmm. you think, and actually you think what you've heard in your uh, churches and your religions is what's right as well. And none of those people tell you to go out and prove it like the founder of this organization did and the way you're proving it is right out of the book here that everybody everybody every religion uh you know reads out of the bible except the jewish mm -hmm. and probably you know muslims but most christianity reads out of the same bible that we're reading out of right here so um yes his thoughts are not your thoughts and his ways are not your ways and you, you can't even imagine what that means because until you come down here and understand that 
you know, it's spirit, it's about spirit. It's not about the physical. So most of your thoughts are physical anyways. You're not thinking about the spirit or, you know, beyond this physical realm. And let's drop down to 11, please. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. So his word is, is, is going to go out, is going to go forth. In other words, his purpose is his word. The word we always say all the time, the word or son, and that's who basically set up the purpose. Yahweh created the word or son and went out of the creating business, as we've said in this class. And so everything that comes out of his mouth, it's not going to return to him void. In other words, mm -hmm. empty. Um, right. You know, there's going to be fruit. And everything that, you know, that he uh, sets, that Yahweh set up in his purpose is going to be accomplished. Uh, and there's nothing you can do about it, nothing you can change, uh, because it's his purpose. It's not our purpose, it's his purpose. And just like the previous speaker said, when you, I haven't been in here 30 years like he has or some of these other folks, but you know, when you come down here and you hear and see some of this stuff, the charts, I, when I first, he saw the, it's funny, he saw psychedelic colors and that when he came and saw the charts for the first time, when I saw him, I saw, oh, there's Jesus up there on the charts. Uh, you know, this is, this is probably similar to what I've been into, you know, and, and then when you, uh, when you're sit down in that chair and you start listening and letting letting your inclining your ear your understanding uh you know you're gonna see that it's not the same and as the chart shows the name above there is not jesus it's yashua and no j in jesus no j in hebrew or greek no j to this day and no j in our english language till 1400 years after the messiah's death so you know you, they don't even have the name right so it's it's an amazing it's an amazing thing that we've all come in contact with we've all been brought to um and i just i'm grateful and i hope that i'm able to stay i hope he keeps me in this i don't want i don't want to go back to catholicism i i don't see any value in that so with that, I'm going to pass the baton, and I uh, thank you for the time, and all praise to Yahshua, the Messiah. Hallelujah. Thank you very much, Dr. Frankowski. Our next speaker, it's a pleasure to introduce from our Gates class, Dr. Reba Zahar. Hi, everybody. Hi, Reba. I was intent on uh, listening to um, the others give their testimony. And um, I too uh, continually marvel about the things that uh, Yahweh has allowed not only myself, but the others that diligently come and seek after truth day after day, week after week, that we are exceedingly humbled by the fact that we wouldn't know 
any of this if he had not had mercy on us. Because you can just stumble into any church that you want to. And some read the Bible and some don't. But there's a lot of people out there reading the Bible just as well as you and I. And you cannot put that book together without the aid or the direct assistance from your creator. You just, just as much, we're right in the scripture still. Um, why don't you uh, read that for me, Deb, on 55 and 8. Isaiah 55 and 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith Yahweh. Because, you know, I don't know about you, but it never crossed my mind for a second that the creator would be, and it sounds silly to even say this, to be so efficient. Like, God can't be efficient. <laughs> but to be that efficient, to have a divine pattern in operation, whereby all things, all things can be predictable. Everything has an expected outcome because it's going right online or on course, dictated uh, by the pattern. Just like I went and I mailed off for a pattern the other day um, to make something and they walk you through it step by step. You have to sew this seam to this seam first, because if you don't do that, if you just don't go according to the steps, you're going to run into um, situations or problems on down the line. And we just don't have the thoughts that our creator has. Um, let's run over there and get me uh, um, Romans 8 and We'll read it from one. I want to get down through six, please. Romans 8 and 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in the Messiah, Yahshua, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, we wouldn't know the first about this. Therefore now, why now, as opposed to like not later? I, I was listening to uh, Joel Olstein the other day. And um, this guy doesn't have a church per se. He's a, a big preacher in Texas. He has this incredible, um, um, I, I don't even know the word for it. It's like an auditorium. The place is huge and it can just pack thousands of them in there. And he's so, um, his whole approach to his message, if you would, would be to like, what are you going to get out of it? You personally are going to benefit. And that's what their whole thing is about, that you are going to benefit from believing the things in the Bible and very much from the angle of a psychological approach, um, you know, and so that you can have more money, you'll be happier, you, you and your wife are going to get along if you send the money so that they can continue the ministry. And on every floor and hallway that there is, they have Dropbox slots where you can submit your tithe. 
or PayPal, <laughs> you know, if you don't have a checkbook or whatnot. But they, at the end of this talk, he always says, ask Jesus to come into your heart and ask him if he will do that, then the Messiah will be your Lord and master. And that just really, that would have made sense to me prior to coming into this room. We failed to realize that we just do not have the power that it takes to change your heart and mind. Um, keep reading there, please. For the law of the spirit of life in the Messiah Yahshua hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, Yahweh Elohim, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Now, we're, this is really opening a whole can of worms because um, let's, let's go over to the um, ages and dispensations, please, if you would, Gregory, for a minute. Now, uh, read verse two again for me, please. For the law of the spirit of life in the Messiah, Yahshua, hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, just reading it straight out, um, I, I wouldn't I have a clue as to like, what are these laws that you're talking about? What's a, what's a law of, of spirit and life as opposed to um, the law? Did you say sin and death there? Yes. So, you know, you would think right away that you would need to find out about these two laws, but this is one of the greatest mysteries that there is in um, all of the ecclesiastical world or in religion that they fail to recognize that there was an old covenant and that you can see on this chart in the third age um, that it was a, um, a law that was given to Moses. And we're all familiar with that because it um, consisted of the 10 commandment morality. You're, you're going to do this. You're not going to do that. Thou shalt and you shall do this and that and the other. And you know something? That was given to a particular group of people. It was given to the Hebrews. And it was never given, or the Israelites, the chosen people at that time, the ones that he delivered up out of the land of Egypt, it was given to them. They were the ones that were called together around Mount Sinai where Moses went up into the top of that mountain and received that law. And you know something? They could not keep it. That particular group of people, they couldn't, they could not keep that law. And there was 10 of them there, but um, uh, shouldn't be a surprise if you start patching um, how this timeline goes together through a revelation because we of our own selves cannot we can't put this thing together adam was given one law don't touch don't eat of the fruit of that tree and they could not do that and you come down to moses and now he's got these 10 laws and not only that but there were some 600 other um uh, oh i can't remember the word right now um, ordinances yeah, ordinances or some Statutes. of the 
yeah, the statutes or these judgments that were attached attached to that Ten Commandment morality. It's bad enough that Adam can keep one. Nobody was keeping the ten, and now you have some six hundred dumped up on you. Well, you're buried. There's no way that you can come up to this and keep it to do something good as far as manifesting salvation or deliverance or a change of heart and mind. It just could not be done. Um, and we can read that over in, what is it? Deuteronomy 6 and 25. Mm -hmm. And we're going to go back to Romans, please. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before Yahweh our Elohim as he hath commanded us. See, now we go in the book and we read this stuff. And we, always, we just want to attach it to ourselves. It's all about me, right? Isn't it how? It's about me. But the book is not about you and I as individuals. Uh, go and... Uh, read real quick about um in luke 24 and uh 44 are you jerry are you helping well i'll help luke Thank 24 you. 44 and he said unto them these are the words which i spake unto you while i was yet with you that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of moses and in the prophets and in the psalms concerning me See, now the Messiah is talking about that. Read it again. I can't, I can't follow it. And he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. So he was still in a physical body. And he's talking about these were the things that while I was still with you, while mm -hmm. he was in a physical body, read. Right. Mm -hmm. That all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Now, the law of Moses is the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. I wouldn't have known that until I came down to this school and took a chair and relaxed mm -hmm. and listened and tried to listen intently to the things that the uh, speakers were trying to bring forth. The law being the first five books of the Bible, and then from Joshua and down to Malachi would be the prophets, which the Psalms are contained therein, which mm -hmm. constitutes, which we've been uh, brought up to know as the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Now, that should have been our first clue. The Messiah said that, look, in John 5, in 39 or, or 36, he said, search the scriptures. Those are the books that we just spoke about. Mm -hmm. For in them, you think you have eternal life. Well, that's where the problem is. We got to thinking again. And as we read in our scripture reading, it says the, the Yahweh or God is coming right out and telling you, look, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And I don't do things the way that you do things. Right? Yeah. Um, we keep reading there where I had search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. He goes, but those are testifying of me. And you won't come to me that you might have life. They were thinking that that book, these physical, literal 
papers that you can put ink to paper is that which is going to be your eternal life. No, there's, oh boy, Ugh. I got to get back in the something here because my mind's going all over the place. Go back and read uh, Romans, Deb. Okay. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, Yahweh Elohim sending his own son and the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Now, the he said that he came in in Luke to fulfill those things. And we can read over in Matthew that said that we didn't even know the Messiah's mission for why he came in a physical body and it was to fulfill the old covenant. He did not come in to institute, to start, or to initiate anything when he appeared on the scene in that um, sacrificial, specially prepared body. Mm -hmm. Read. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now the law... Huh? No, go ahead. No, the law, that old covenant had to be fulfilled. It could not bring forth life. Let's go over to John 1 and um, I think it's about verse 4. I'm trying to cut it up because I don't want to take too much more time here. Start uh, reading. John 1, I'll start John 1, 3. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. Okay, now we're really getting in deep. Um, go back to the Moses chart, please. <laughs> I'm trying to get out of my hole and just keeps getting bigger. <laughs> <laughs> now the, the moderator uh, comes and tells us every uh, class in the beginning, it says that, we have this cloud, it, it goes completely around the chart and around um, the vision to, to try to illustrate or demonstrate to you that this is Yahweh, the father in his uh, pure spirit state of existence. Mm -hmm. And that it goes all the way around the chart in the Genesis to show you that we live and move and have our being right within him. And there is never a time that you can get outside of him, turn around, point your finger at him and go, there he is. Just as much, and I love this because it's such a simple but very true statement. Your face is your most identifying feature. And you have been with your face from the minute you have popped out of your mother's womb and at no time ever, while you are walking around, uh, breathing and uh, you know, functioning in this physical creation, can you ever look at your face without a reflection or looking into a mirror? And that's the same thing it is it is with your creator. You cannot get outside of yourself even to look back at yourself. And how can I say that? Let's go and read Romans 1, 19 and 20 quick, quick, if you would. See, what we're dealing with down here is it's, this is not the product of a man's imagination. 
these things that we are coming down here and trying to explain to you this evening and all the ongoing classes that we have is the direct result of a divine vision and revelation that was given to a man named Henry Clifford Kinley. And he did, it truly did have a vision. And not only that, a vision, but the understanding of that which he saw straight from God. And one of the first things that we came to find out was that your creator has a name. And if you're going to have an intimate relationship or um, a close friendship or a bond with somebody, you, it would be impossible for you to have that unless you have a name. You have to have a name. You know, they called my name to be the next speaker or I wouldn't have, un I would not have uh, unmuted my mic. Now let's read in uh, Romans, please. Romans 119, because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them, for Yahweh has shown it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now we are without an excuse for not knowing anything about our creator. You know, we can look out in the, we can see a sunrise and we can see a sunset. Don't you know that this creation is just screaming to you that there is a creator that exists? Who wakes you up in the morning? Your alarm clock? You know, um, this is such a phenomenal experience. Now, there is something that you can know about your creator you're not going to be able to understand everything about him in this particular realm that we're in right now because he's just too vast. Yahweh is eternal and we are limited. And he knew that mankind could not perceive of him in his pure spirit state of existence. So he took on shape and form right within himself. And that's identified on this chart up here where you see Moses. He's having a panoramic vision of Elohim. He took on a shape and form. Let's go and read that real quick over into uh, uh, Genesis, uh, Genesis, Exodus 24, 9 and 10, please. And we're going to go back into John. Exodus 24, 9. Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the Elohim of Israel. And there was under, under his feet, as it were, a paved work of a sapphire stone, and as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Also, they saw Elohim and did eat and drink. Now, this is, this is, a, this is such a key thing, that Yahweh knowing that man could not perceive of him in his pure spirit state of existence took on a shape and took on a form identified as Yahweh Elohim and then went on and actually described he had hands feet and a body and we've come to find out that if you read in Genesis 126 that we were made in the image and likeness of God and I too had to go to my minister and ask him could you please explain that to me how are we made after the 
likeness of God. Well, you're made after God from uh, from the inner man. Well, what's the inner man? Well, that would be spirit. Well, what's spirit? Well, spirit is God. Well, what is God? Well, God, you just aren't getting a straight answer. And this is uh, exactly what attending this school has done for me. It has given me direct and straight answers that Yahweh is powerful. He's not some wimp God. He did make a creation. He does have the capacity to be who he wants to be, where he wants to be, when he wants to be. He does not have limitations like you and I have. And we want to always make God in our image, weak, incapable, wishy-washy, can't make up your mind, thinking it's this way one minute and the next way it's something else. But you know something? Yahweh declared the very end of his purpose or this creation right from the beginning so that there wouldn't be any glitches, no mistakes, no speed bumps, everything's going off flawlessly. And you might think that things aren't uh, going that way because you look out in the creation and go, well, my gosh, how, how come there's so much chaos? And you know something, all of these questions can be answered, but they cannot be done in a half an hour and they can't be done in two hours from this time period that we're having this class. That's why we continually come back and take more classes. We are studying a topic that's eternal and it's impossible for us to cover all this. So let's just try to slow it down a little bit and see how much uh, we can save in my remaining time. Now he takes on this shape and form. Um, can you uh, keep reading? I want to read uh, Exodus 25, 8 and 9, and also verse 40. Exodus 25, 8. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them, according to all that I show thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. Now he's instructing 40. Moses. Go ahead, Peg, finish that off so I can. Go. 40. And look that thou make them after their pattern, which was showed thee in the mount. Now, not only did Moses see this shape and form that I was identified as Yahweh Elohim, but he didn't under, he didn't know what he was looking at, except for the fact that he could re relate to the hands, feet, and a body. And he transmuted himself or changed himself into this tabernacle pattern. And this pattern identified or as an explanation of the body that Moses is seeing up there. And we can read it on top of this chart here. Elohim, the archetype, which that word means original, pattern of the universe. And there's nothing that does not go according to this pattern. And it has become our life's study. Now, he instructed Moses to go down into the wilderness and build this tabernacle exactly the way that he saw it on top of Mount Sinai, because it is a pattern, not only of his body, but all things. The creation was brought in according to this pattern. And um, 
I just wanted to establish that for a minute. Go back into John 1 and 1, please. And read uh, verse 4 and then jump down to 14. And I also want 18. But let's read uh, 18 first. John 1 and 18. John 1, 18. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Father, the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. Now we just can't. We just can't see God, as I already explained. You can't get outside of Him and look back on Him. So this is why it's absolutely crucial that you have the true name and title when you're trying to, if you are endeavoring to find out something about your Creator. You have one person over here saying that no man has seen God. Well, we just got done reading in Exodus how 74 people saw him. And if you could remember reading from Exodus all the way down to uh, where Deb is reading now here in John, that's a whole lot of pages. And I don't know about you, but my retention isn't that great anymore. I highly doubt that I would have remembered that 74 people saw him and then all, and all of a sudden he said nobody's seen him. Because that would make sense to me. But I probably already forgot, too, that my thoughts aren't his. Because everything I thought all my life, I thought was right. Or why would I think it? Nobody likes to be wrong. You understand? Now, go and get, read, go back into John, the first chapter, and read the third and fourth verse, and then read the 14th. John 1 and 3. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now that in shape him. and form is your creator. All things were made by him. Yahweh, in his pure spirit state, took on that shape and form to put on, as it would be, his work clothes. And it was the spirit of Yahweh working through that shape and form. Yahweh Elohim, which he is pinning himself right there being a creator all things were made by him and there is nothing that exists that was not made by that shape and form read please in him was life and the life was the light of men now in him and without him there is no life and this life is the light of man. And it's that name and that name which gives you animation after the flesh. Everything that you can read over in uh, uh, Psalms verse 150 and 6, it says that, mm -hmm. but everything that has breath, praise Yahweh, praise you Yahweh. Well, when you're born and you are inspired or you are you take in that first breath, that inspiration. What are you breathing? You breathe and you exhale. We 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 were we didn't even know this. We didn't know any of it. Not one iota. That we breathe his name, that name gives us animation physically. But just because. We have a pulse and we're walking around. We think that's being alive. But we already read in John 17 and three that this is life. 
and life eternal that they might know him, know thee, the only true Elohim or your creator whom Yahweh has sent or manifest in its shape and form. Now let's read John 1, uh, uh, 14, please. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we Now this shape and form is also identified as the word uh, or the word or son of Yahweh. Why the word? Because further in explanation in Moses' vision, he talks about how the creator spoke in the creation. Let there be light. And it was so. <coughs> and that was only for Moses's. That was. Uh, anyway, read that again, Deb. I'm not going to go there. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now, this very self same shape and form that they saw up on top of that mountain came down into a specially prepared physical body that was identified as Yahshua. We can, let's just go get this verse. You know, we need to see these things that they're, look, I'm not saying it. This is what your book is saying. Go and get me uh, John 5 and uh, uh, what is it, 43? John 5.43, I am come in my father's name and you receive me not. Now, if we not read Romans, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just got to do that for I'll forget what I'm saying. We read in Romans already about how the natural things reflect the invisible. Well, everything is coming in somebody's father's name. You know, I came in my father's name. And then when you get married, you take on the name of your husband and even if you are a woman who has a child out of wedlock, it's still coming in your father's name or the masculine portion of a name. And the Messiah comes, look, I have come in my father's name. And of course he would. The father's name is Yahweh and the son's name is Yahshua. Well, in Hebrew, that name Yahshua means deliverance, peace, um, comfort, aid, assistance, salvation. So his mission was um, already defined right within his name that Yahweh will deliver. Yahweh will comfort. Yahweh will be your peace. Yahweh will be your aid. Yahweh will be salvation. And it's such a beautiful story once you catch on to the way that this thing works. Now, there wasn't salvation given by a Ten Commandment law. That's one of the reasons why that tabernacle pattern was constructed in the wilderness, because when they transgress or messed up on one of those laws, the penalty for that oftentimes was death. And instead of you dying, you could offer up a sacrifice so that you could continue to live. And that was a temporary patch to avoid um, you dying and you had something dying in its stead. So Yahweh set up a pattern or that tabernacle or a place of worship that could make an atonement for you. But unfortunately, it was only on a temporary basis, just as much as all things physical. They're temporary, they're natural, and they're not everlasting. So the Messiah came in and um, 
through the fulfillment down to the jot and the tivel totally and completely. Yahshua fulfilled the mechanics or the things that were written in that law, old covenant. Uh, let's go to that chart, please, carnal ordinance. And where is that one verse while Greg's getting that over there for me, isn't it? Uh, so shall it be like it was in the days of Noah? Is that, uh, am I remembering that right or am I bumping two of them together? I'm not sure. Okay. Um, so you have an Old Testament. You had um, carnal mind, which Deb was reading over in Romans 8, which was natural, it was physical, it was temporary. It was earthly. And they just could not keep these commandments. You had to get physically circumcised. There was ceremonies. There were um, immersions or cleansings. There were suppers. Um, which uh, Christendom is still performing today as communion or uh, Passover, if you're Jewish, the sacrifices we already talked about, and the Ten Commandment morality. And as you can see from this um, depiction of a parchment paper, it's, there's plenty of paper scrolled up there on the bottom and also on top to show you that there could have been a whole lot of other things uh, painted on there. But the Messiah came in to fulfill those things. He physically actually went through all those um, motions. Um, you can see that he was circumcised. Um, he was baptized of John mm -hmm. to suffer it to be so now, John, for thus it becometh us to fulfill once again all righteousness. And John went ahead and baptized him because Joshua came up to him. And the baptism was a baptism unto repentance. You had to actually confess that, no, I yes, I am a sinner. I could not keep the law. And so therefore I am a dead man walking. And uh, so John's like, well, then why are you coming to me? I should be baptized of you. And the Messiah says, look, suffer, allow it to be so now, because thus it, we have to fulfill all righteousness. And that righteousness was that he was going to keep all of that natural, physical, carnal, temporary law and nail it to his cross. Where now we can bring in and usher in the new covenant, which is written in our hearts and minds and not on physical paper. Um, what do I got here? Did I have you get that? I want to get a uh, second Corinthians. Is it six and three? And I want to get um, uh, Ezekiel 36. And I don't know where I want to pick it up, around 24. Second Corinthians 6, 3. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry. Okay, I want the, uh, not on paper, the um, oh, not written first Corinthians. What did I get? Is it three and six or three and three? Where did I, where, where did I Second not Corinthians remember? three and three. Thank you. Five minutes, Dr. Zahar. Thank you. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians three, three. Uh, do, I'll be uh, three. 
for as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Yahshua ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living Elohim, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. This new covenant is not written with pen and ink. It's going to be written in the fleshly tables of your heart. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be written in. It's going to be that creation is going to be spoken into you just as much as Yahweh Elohim spoke in this right. physical creation. And we are washed through his word and not physical water now mm -hmm. under this covenant. Mm -hmm. And this is a phenomenal thing. If your eyes are open to this, you are just beginning on the most fantastic journey that you could ever have in your life. Because in order to understand any of this, you have to be ushered into the new covenant. Mm -hmm. That veil of the flesh has to be removed from before your eyes and off of your ears so that you can actually see and hear what it is that we are talking about. And we are not down here trying to uh, convince anybody you can go in and verify these things in the book. And if you have a sincere desire to know your creator as he really is and actually exists, Yahweh knows your heart and he's bigger than we are. And he has the ability and the power to transform your carnal mind and elevate your mind into a higher plateau so that he can continually show himself to you and how his purpose is operating and he will give you his holy spirit and the faith that it is going to take to please him because we read in hebrews that without faith it is impossible to please yahweh mm -hmm. now just think about it for a minute did you find that one verse about so shall it be at the end the days of noah Second Matthew Peter. 20, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Peggy. Well, I had a different one. I had Matthew oh. 24, 37. I'm not sure if it's right. What's that one in Peter, Deb? Okay. Second Peter 3 and 18. For Yahshua also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to Elohim, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit by whom also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, in prison, who at one time were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of Elohim waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, in which few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water, the like figure unto which even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward Elohim by the resurrection of Yahshua the Messiah. And it's all through the ability that he, Yahshua went through that death. He was buried in Joseph's new tomb. He did come up a quickening spirit. That seed that went down did not come up and resurrect the same seed. And he poured out his Holy Spirit to the Jew first and then to the Gentile seven years later and Pentecost is an ongoing event even until this day that our minds can be instantaneously translated into his kingdom which does not comprise of flesh and blood but it is righteousness peace and joy 
and it's through our faith in the operation to this day of that tabernacle pattern that is unerring and accurate that we can have confidence and we can be assured in and it can keep us stable. I mean, you stop and think about it and I'll just wrap it up with this last statement that Noah was told to build a boat. First off, he had no idea what is a boat and why do I need a boat? Oh, because it's going to rain. Never saw rain before. And even at that time, he didn't even have any help. He didn't even have his sons, which he had later, which helped him to build this ark. Mm -hmm. And they finally get the thing constructed. And for the 120 years or during that long suffering probationary period, if you would, when that thing was constructed and they finally got in there and Yahweh, the angel of Yahweh, shut that door and they're in there and they're waiting. And all of a sudden, the, the waters above, below, above and below broke loose and the earth is being inundated with that water. There's no, there's no steering wheel in there. There's no keel to navigate that boat. And they were utterly and totally dependent upon the fact that Yahweh made them a promise. And it was Noah and his family that went in that ark. It's a family affair. Mm -hmm. And if you can just stop and think about some of the things that we have been learned, trying to instruct others in, and we ourselves have learned to go back and let some of this stuff really soak in to realize that the end has been declared from the beginning. He's got his finger on you. He's not a failing Elohim. Mm -hmm. He's not going to let you down. He is not a liar. He made you a promise that if you believe on his name and confession is made with the mouth, with the mouth that yes, I can see through the witnesses that you have provided that you did send your son, Yahshua, in to fulfill that old covenant. Move it out of the way so that you could usher in a new one where we dwell right now. We're baptized in his name. We have been circumcised in that name. He was offered up for us. We feed on that manna. He has covered all of our transgressions and fully pardoned us. And as the prayer was said, and the previous speakers prior to me, and we are forever thankful that we have been invited and continually invited to come back down to these classes where we can learn more to the aiding and assisting of us to go on in immortal glorification. And thank you very much for the time. And I hope that it all wasn't that choppy and that somebody got something out of my testimony. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Zahar. And our final speaker this evening will be the Dean of the Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Volpe. I wanna say good evening to everyone. And I've got a few thoughts about our scripture reading tonight. So I wanna go back over to Isaiah 55 and one. Isaiah 55 and 1. 
Oh, everyone that thirsts, come to the waters. He that hath no money, come, buy and eat. Yea, come by wine and milk without money and without price. Now listen, when you're reading these things back there uh, at the time that Isaiah, uh, in, for an example, in this particular scripture is speaking, we have to remember that Yahweh is always using natural, physical manifestations to point to something spiritual. And what we should do is that we should be trying to understand, or in other words, desiring to know the spiritual meaning of these things that we read. Now, in this first verse where he said, uh, to everyone that thirsteth. Now, when he says thirst, he's not talking about you uh, uh, needing a physical drink of water. He's talking about somebody that desires to know something about their creator. And he says, and come ye to the waters. Now, if you remember when the Messiah was at the well with the Samaritan woman, he was thirsty, naturally so. And he asked the woman from Samaria to give him a drink of water, which she did. And then he said to her, if you knew who it was that was asking you for this water, you would have asked of him to give you living water. Now, she didn't know what he was talking about when he said that. And he said that the water that I will give you shall be a wellspring of life that will spring up right from within you. Now, the water that we understand now, that living water, is the gospel of salvation. And when Yahshua said in John 7, 38, who, He who believes on me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, two things about that. First of all, it's not enough to just believe in Yahshua. He said, He that believes on me, as the scriptures have said. Now, in other words, you have to understand how the purpose of Yahweh has come down through the scriptures and how it points to Yahshua the Messiah. Now, Dave got up here and talked about on the chart before us there that there are two keys and a finger uh, pointing to Yahshua the Messiah. And that is to show that the law and the prophets were talking about him. Now, Yahshua, Yahshua uh, is able to give you water from right within your soul, right out of the law and the prophets. In other words, that living water is the flowing of the purpose of Yahweh coming down through the law and the prophets that is hidden in a mystery. And these principles, these spiritual principles, have to be extracted. Mm -hmm. Now, he's talking about, come to the waters that he that hath no money, come buy and eat. Now, if you remember the parable about uh, Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man just wanted some water to parch for his parched uh, 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 thirst of water, and he wanted to dip his hand or finger in the water and give him some of that water. And Yahshua told him later on, after he asked him to go back to his family, he said, let them hear Moses and the prophets. Because if they don't believe Moses and the prophets, they're not going to believe one, though he be raised from the dead. Mm -hmm. 
Now the water is back there, ladies and gentlemen, in the Law and the Prophets, but it's an artesian well. It's under the ground or the surface. And that's the whole point here, that the, the, the true spiritual reality of Yahweh's purpose and plan is hidden back down through the scriptures, the Law and the Prophets, under in, in, underneath those allegories, types, shadows, manifestations is where the principles lie. But it takes the Holy Spirit to be able to extract that water and give you to drink of it. Now, keep reading. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Now, here the here uh, 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 we're, we heard tonight about a preacher, I guess in Texas, if I'm not mistaken, that uh, has this giant church with all these people. And I, I could tell you this, also taking it from what Dave uh, Frankowski was saying, that in the Catholic Church, they give you this little wafer, they call it the host, and tell you that's the actual body and blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't mean to be insulting about what I'm just about to say because I'm in the same boat that I'm going to point out. But we're dumb enough to believe that. Mm. And I used to stick my tongue out when I went to church to let the priest put the host on my tongue. And I swallowed it. Believing what he said, that that was Jesus Christ's body. And I got to tell you this, when I went back to the pew that I was sitting in, I didn't feel any different than I did before I went up to get the host. There was no change that took place as a result of having that host in my body. Now in Christianity, many Christians, they might give you crackers and grape juice or something like that. The bottom line is, they don't know what the true bread of life is. Mm -hmm. Now Moses said that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of Yahweh. See, that's over there in the law, that Yahweh spoke through Moses. Now, the true bread, the true wine, and we know that on the day of Pentecost... Yahshua told the apostles, he said, listen, at the supper, take and eat, for this is my body. He said, and take and drink, and this is my blood. And then he said, and I shall not eat it or drink it with you till I drink it anew in my Father's kingdom. Now the world thinks that that means at the end of the world, you're going to go to heaven, you're going to be in God's kingdom, and you're going to sit down at a long table with Jesus and have supper. That's what they think that's talking about. But what they didn't understand was they didn't know what the kingdom was. Yahshua right. said the kingdom does not come with observation. But the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And as Paul said, it's not meats and drinks. Now, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out and entered into the hearts and minds of men, when Peter came out and began to preach, they thought he was drunk on a new wine. Now watch. Do you remember when Joshua went to the wedding feast at Canaan and he changed the water into wine? 
Now, listen, what I want you to understand is this living water that is the preaching of the gospel, all those things that Yahshua had instructed them in for three and a half years, he told them in the 14th chapter of John, he said that the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, the Holy Spirit has to be sent. You don't just go and pluck it out and, and lay hold on it and get it for yourself. It's got to be sent because it's a gift. Now listen, he said, He shall bring back to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now why did they have to have that happen? That's because at the time that they heard it, they did not comprehend or understand what it really meant. But on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was able, once he entered into the hearts and minds of those people that had been taught by Yahshua, because Yahshua, they used to call him rabbi, which means teacher. And they were his disciples or students. Now all of a sudden, the things that he said started to be opened up to their understanding where they could see the spiritual significance and reality of what was said to them by the Holy Spirit. And that water, that them believing on Yahshua as the scriptures have said, was at the day of Pentecost, I could put it like this, was a wedding ceremony. Go back over for a minute, Greg, for me at Mount Sinai. The Moses chart, please. Now, we often say that when Israel was brought up out of the land of Egypt and they were gathered around this mountain, that that was a wedding ceremony that Yahweh married Israel at Mount Sinai. And she became his bride there. They said, they said, whatever he says, we will do. Or in other words, they made a covenant, which is an agreement, and they vowed to keep that agreement. So when you get married... You take vows and you agree to keep those things that you said that you vowed to do. To love, to honor, to cherish, till death do you part, and all those kind of things. Now, Israel did not keep that law. They broke it continuously. Mm -hmm. And in Jeremiah, Yahweh said, he said, this shall be the covenant. No, he said, um, let's see, Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days come, saith Yahweh, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I brought them up out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them. Now, in the seventh chapter of Romans... We find out that Paul is talking about that when Yahshua comes in under the dispensation of the Mosaic Law, he was not, the New Testament or New Covenant did not start when Yahshua was born. And guess what? It didn't start when he went to get baptized by John the Baptist either. Mm -hmm. He was still fulfilling that covenant from Mount Sinai that was the dispensation that was set up. And he was still, Yahshua, who truly is Yahweh Elohim, had to come in and fulfill the law because his bride, which was Israel, was not keeping it. Now there was under the law a provision made where it said that if a man 
lets his wife enter into a covenant or an agreement and he keeps his peace. In other words, he doesn't disannul it. If she can't keep it, then the husband is required to keep it for her. That's right in the law. Now here's Yahweh Elohim allowed that covenant to stand when he married Israel. And Israel couldn't keep it. That's his bride. That requires him then to keep it for her. So when the Messiah came in, he was the husband of Israel. Israel was his bride. And he was fulfilling or keeping the law on the behalf of her. And then Paul in the seventh chapter of Romans talks about how that they were freed from their covenant or marriage and were free to marry another, meaning they could marry now Yahshua in the spirit after that time, what we call the day of Pentecost. But up, up until the law is fulfilled, they are bound to that covenant from Mount Sinai of their husband, Yahweh Elohim. But under the new covenant, they're marrying Yahshua under the dispensation of the age of grace. Now watch. That was a marriage ceremony on the day of Pentecost. And those 120 souls and the subsequent 3,000 that received the Holy Spirit that day were enjoined unto Yahshua the Messiah in the bond of matrimony spiritually sold. Because once the Holy Spirit is given on the day after uh, under this new covenant, it is permanent. There is no divorce with Yahweh. Right. Now watch. They were married to him, and the water that they had been given of the law, the prophets, and how it pointed to Yahshua, now is being changed into a new wine at that wedding feast. So when, Paul, when Peter comes out and begins to preach, they think he's drunk on a new wine. Not realizing that all those things that we read back there in the Law and the Prophets about buying uh, bread and water are pointing to the receiving of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And that's what it's talking about there. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? Now that's what we all did. They were talking about the collection plates that were all over the place in that uh, new church there in Texas. That's all that the devil's after. He's after your money. And he's going to give you fake bread. He's going to tell you that the bread you're getting there is the real McCoy, but it cannot satisfy your soul to the point where you can inherit eternal life. Mm -hmm. Now, when you come down here, and you come according to a calling by the purpose. Now listen, I know we live in a crazy world, but traditionally, women don't go up and pay men to marry them. Now, I know today things are nuts, but I'm talking about in, in, in olden times, the man chose his, his wife. And I want you to know that we are chosen by Yahshua, actually we're chosen by Yahweh in Yahshua, right from the beginning. And he paid the price for us when he died on that cross. We were bought with a price, ladies and gentlemen. We were his bride, and we are called according to the purpose. Now when we are called... 
that calling then moves to the point where now we are led of the Spirit to Yahshua, and then we have to be, if you will, chosen. Because many are called, but few are chosen. Everybody that's ever been to class has been called down the class. The ones that have left were not chosen. I'm just going to say it just like it is. Those that have walked away from this teaching and turned their back on it were not chosen. You say, well, you're saying that because you're just trying to get, uh, get down on these people and you're mad at them. No, I'm saying it because here's the truth and the reality. If you were chosen, you would have received the Holy Spirit and you wouldn't be able to leave because you're joined to your husband and where the head goes, the body follows. Right. The, the, and Paul talks about how Yahshua is the head of the assembly, the head of the church, and the head of his bride. Now I want you to know that when Yahweh sent them out of the Garden of Eden, Eve was following Adam out. She wasn't out front and Adam was following her. It was the opposite way. He's the head, she's the bride. She's a part of his own body. And we also know in Corinthians when it says over there that they went with that rock that followed them coming up out of the land of Egypt through the Red Sea, that that was a mistake in the Bible that was by a translator error. And Dr. Kinley said it like this. He said, Yahshua or Yahweh Elam has never followed anybody. Right. He does the leading, ladies and gentlemen. So when the body, when the when Yahshua, who is the head of the body or the assembly, his bride is going to follow him. So once you receive the Holy Spirit, you will follow the directions of your husband. Mm -hmm. You will come to class. You will support the preaching of the gospel. You will be obedient to the things that the Holy Spirit reveals. Because that's what is now put in you to do. That is what the new heart is. You will have faith. You will believe. All of those things are going to happen as a result of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Right. So what I want you to know, what I want you to know is that down here, Dr. Kinley made this statement. He said, now down here, we don't want your money. He said, you can't pay anything for what I'm giving you because, first of all, he said, you don't have enough to pay for what it's worth. He said, so therefore, it's free. But there is only one thing you can pay, he said, and that is attention. And he always wanted us to pay attention. Now, when we come to class, we want to be focused. We want to have our mind locked in on the words that are being spoken. We want to try to shake off all of the cares of the world that we draw, we come into the room with that divert our thinking. That's the devil trying to get you not to listen so that you'll be distracted and start thinking about the problems we all deal with in this life. Nobody is devoid of having problems in this life. We got to learn how to put those things out. And I remember one time a speaker in one of the international conventions got up one time on the floor. And he pulls out of his, his uh, 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 suit coat pocket one of those bags, those plastic bags. And he snapped it open. He snapped it open. And it was a trash bag, as somebody piped in here. Now listen, 
He said, now what you ought to do is have one of these with you, and before you come into this room, you put all of your nonsense and all of the carnality of the world in this bag and leave it outside the door. And if you want it, when you're done, it'll be right there waiting for you to pick up and take it back. And then he said this, now this bag is called a glad bag. If you do what I'm telling you, he said, you will be glad. Now listen, we have to pay attention to get this understood what the Holy Spirit is directing to us and giving to us, to penetrate our thought processes while we're listening to this so that we digest what is being said. Now, going back to that scripture in Isaiah, now why do you spend money for that which is not bread? We're not after your money. We're down here telling you that what they were giving you in the world and trying to get you to pay a tenth of your earning before taxes, that that was not the bread of life. And he says, and why do you labor for that which satisfieth not? You go to church, you light candles, you get water baptized, uh, you say uh, rosaries if you're a Catholic. You do all these good works that the people do, and it's not going to satisfy your soul. Why? Because we're trying to, as it says in the first verse, the very opening of this chapter is, He ho everyone that thirsteth. Those that are thirsty are wanting some knowledge, some understanding, some answers to things that they've always wondered about. Right. The things that you do when you go out on food drives, car washes, and all the things that they give you in the church, the eating of the crackers and grapes, isn't going to give you any answers, ladies and gentlemen. It will not satisfy your soul for a thirst of knowledge of your Creator. Now watch. Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. You know what's good, ladies and gentlemen? I'll tell you one of the best tasting things you can ever Put in your mouth and in your belly, and that is to partake and eat of the Lamb who hath given himself for us, mm -hmm. and to drink his blood. Say, drink his blood? What is this guy saying? Well, do you remember what Yahshua told them in John over there, the sixth chapter? He said that whoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood shall live forever. And they were absolutely mortified when they... I'm talking about the apostles, the disciples back then. They were mortified. The crowd started walking away, saying, wait a minute, this is, more, this is over the top. This is more than I'm able to absorb. He wants us to eat his body and then drink his blood under the law, and they forbade drinking blood. And Yahshua later asked his apostles, did this offend you, what I said? Will you also leave me? They said, well, there's no place else for us to go, Master. He said, listen, the flesh doesn't profit anything. He said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. His words are the blood and flesh and bread of the spirit. And that's why man does not live by bread alone, meaning physical bread, but by every word 
that proceedeth out of the mouth of Yahweh. And the mouth of Yahweh is Yahshua the Messiah, ladies and gentlemen. That's the mouth of Yahweh. Yahweh speaks through Yahshua the Messiah, and he speaks through Yahweh Elohim. And that's what we should be hungry for, is to learn what these words mean, how they're applied, what they're trying to get us to know about our Father. Listen, keep reading, because there's so much in this chapter. I just love this 55th chapter. Keep reading. Incline your ear and come unto me. Here and your soul shall live. Now let's stop right there. He said to incline your ear, and I like what was said earlier. We're not talking about you tilting your head sideways or your ears at a, at a certain incline. We're talking about inclining your thoughts or your concentration to listen to the speaker. And hearing doesn't mean sound bouncing off your, your, your eardrum. What it means is the word hear in Strong's Concordance has several definitions. One of them is the physical hearing, yes. But the other one is to understand or to perceive. Now what we want you to do is not just hear words that we speak. We want you to understand what's being spoken. That is spiritual hearing. And that hearing, ladies and gentlemen, can be, you can be have the best hearing in the world, best eyesight, and be deaf and blind. Now listen, I want to take you for a minute. I'm going to sidetrack here in a few minutes I got. I want you to go to Isaiah, the 8th chapter, and we'll come back to Isaiah 55 after that. Isaiah 8, and I want you to start at, let's see here, stand by. Oh, boy. Wait a minute. Hang on for a second here. Let me go back. I want to go to Isaiah. I'm sorry. I think I called the wrong, wrong chapter. I don't have my glasses on. Let's go to Isaiah, the sixth chapter. That's what I'm after. It's Isaiah 6. Stand by. And let's start at 8, verse 8. Isaiah 6 and 8. Also, I heard the voice of Yahweh saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here I am, send me. Now listen, this is the voice of Yahweh saying this, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Now, that's not Isaiah that that's talking about. That's talking about Yahshua who was sent from the Father to give us his words or the words of eternal life. Keep reading. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. In other words, they can hear just fine physically, but they don't understand. And they can see, yet they don't perceive. Read 10. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert, and be healed. Now listen, Yahweh has not purposed 
within himself to let everyone in the world hear and see on a spiritual level. Some have been purposed to not be able to hear and not be able to see. And this is why he purposed that. Let's go over to Matthew 13, chapter. And let me see here. Start at 10. Matthew 13 and 10. And the disciples came and said unto him, why speakest thou unto them in parables? Why do you talk to them in parables? Why do you do that? Why can't you just come out plainly and say what you want to say? Watch, read. He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. Now to know it means to understand it. But to them it's not given. Read. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away, even what he hath. Read. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seen, see not, and hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. Listen, it's not enough for you to hear the gospel preached from a physical standpoint. Yes, you've got to hear the gospel preached from a physical standpoint, but it's got to make more of a trip than that. That's just not the end of it. You have to come to an understanding of it, not just hear it physically and be able to even recite it. You have to come to the understanding of it. Read. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand. And seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. And you're going to see it, and you're not going to perceive. Now look, when you look up that word perceive, you're going to find out means not, not to be able to understand. That's what the word perceive means in Strong's and also in the dictionary. Now keep reading, 15. For this people's heart is become gross, and their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes have they closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. Now here's what happens. You see something and you hear something physically so. But the next step is you have to understand it with your heart mm -hmm. for it to become spiritually effective within you. And you can't do that with the heart you walk in the door with. That heart is a hard heart. Dr. Kinley said we walk in dead on arrival. Now, you know when somebody dies, they go through a process called rigor mortis, where they become hard. And that we walk in because we're dead because of sin and because of violating our conscience when we walk in the door, and our heart has rigor mortis. Now, what happens is he's got to cause you to receive a new heart. That heart has to be, see, we first of all, it has to be circumcised. And what's cut away is all that fleshly concepts, theories, opinions, attitudes, and all the things that we walk in the door with have to be removed. So that the underlying fundamental heart that Yahweh gave you then can be risen and something can be revealed to the new heart. And therefore, when we come in, he said, listen, 
Over there in Ezekiel, he said, I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries. See, and I will wash you with clean water. That's the preaching of the gospel. And a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I'll take away the stony heart and give you a heart of flesh or a tender heart. And I will cause you then to walk in my statutes. Well, what are the statutes under this covenant? It's not the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were the law under the Old Covenant. Go back over to the carnal ordinance chart, please. Five minutes, Dr. Volpe. I got it. I, I just looked at my, I just looked at my uh, clock. All right, now you see where it says carnal mind? Let's look at those plates in there where it says carnal mind, natural, physical, earth. We got circumcision, ceremonies, baptism, supper, sacrifice, and it says ordinances, and they're showing Moses with the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are part of the Old Covenant, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. And that law was not perfect and able to cause your conscience to be pure. you got to be under the law of the spirit of life under this covenant. That'll do the job. Now, what I want you to recognize is, is see that Yahshua, you follow, uh, uh, is going to cause a change of heart within us. That heart... Remember in Deuteronomy, he said, over there in Deuteronomy, oh, that there was such a heart in the people that they might love me and keep my commandments. Well, he didn't put that heart in them, so he knew there wasn't a heart in them when he gave it to them. But he never intended for them to keep it. Because that would show them, by making the attempt to try to be a righteous and obedient, that they were incapable of doing it, which would cause them then to need a Savior to need Yahshua himself to cause the change to take place within him that Reba was talking about. We need Yahshua, ladies and gentlemen. Unless he puts that spirit in us, we are hard-hearted. And here's the statutes under this covenant, that we love him with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our might. And that, you follow, uh, we love our brethren. Those are the statutes of the new covenant. And once you have that love permeating your heart, you don't need the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are for people that violate first the love of Yahweh by discarding his name and building idols, and then the love of his, their brethren by stealing and committing adultery and, and coveting and all the things that that's talking about. Once you have love, you don't need the law of Moses any longer because love is a law in itself that permeates within your soul, that directs you on what is acceptable to your creator and what is representing that divine nature. And you will be obedient to that once that spirit is put within your heart. You need Yahshua to believe. You need Yahshua to be obedient. You need Yahshua to have faith. And without that, you can't do it of yourself. That's right. He's doing it all, ladies and gentlemen. We are his workmanship. And I want you to know that, because I'm out of time now, so I can't cover all too much here, but I just want you to know that all roads point to Yahshua. Once Yahshua, that spirit is within you, that's your only hope of glory. That spirit will then reveal the Father within you because that's what's in him. That's the Father in Yahshua that is operating and speaking to us through that embodiment, through that, that 
uh, Eloistic form as well, and it is him revealing himself to us through those manifestations of Elohim and Yahshua. And we need Yahshua in us to know the Father. Why? Because eternal life is that you know Yahweh and Yahshua, whom the Father has sent. The Son's job is to be the vessel by which Yahweh reveals himself to us. So I hope something made some sense. I hope you got something out of it. Thank you so much for the opportunity, and I'm going to turn it back to the moderator. Peace in Yahshua the Messiah. Thank you all. And thank you, Dr. Volpe. And thank everyone for a nice class tonight. It was very edifying. And now it's time for the doxology. We do meet here every Wednesday on Zoom, 7 o'clock, and we meet in person on Saturdays, weather permitting, Saturday nights at 7 o'clock in Mattydale. Now for the doxology. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless for the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time and now and ever. And with that class, I'll say hallelujah. Hallelujah.